Good morning. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. It's so wild. It's been so long since I got to speak to you from this spot. Very exciting to see your faces. Um, your windshields are lovely, but your faces look better. Um, after so long, we're back. You know, the last time we were here in this space together, worshiping God was on March 15th of 2020. We had no idea all the crazy stuff that was going to happen from that point forward. We thought that, yeah, okay, we'll be shut down like two weeks, like a month, and then we'll be back up here. It's been a little longer than two weeks. It's been like 69 weeks, 70 weeks. It's been a crazy long time, but God has done some amazing stuff during that time. Welcome. Glad to have you guys. Um, God has brought us some folks who weren't with us before. Like, I'm looking around this room, and I'm seeing some faces. This is your first time in this, worshiping in this space, and that is exciting for me. God has been so awesome in that respect. Things are happening again. Our kids' ministry is getting started again. If you want to volunteer for kids' ministry and haven't got an app for that, you can actually go on our website, recreatechurch.org forward slash rckids with a Z. And the application is on there. Also, we have paper ones over here. And Lucy has asked me to remind you that our discipleship study will be tonight at 4 p.m. So, yeah. One more thing I want to say before I get really started into it is happy anniversary to my parents this week. Right? I'm not going to tell you how many years. 43? 43. I would have got it wrong. I would have said 44. Okay. So, yeah. Gulp. Yeah. Um, so happy anniversary, exciting times. Welcome back. Ain't God good? <laughs> God is good. We've been through so much since the last time we were here together. We've been through sunburn and rain and <laughs> freezer burn and everything else. If anyone had told me I would have spent a year of my life preaching in a tent I would have told them that I hope they were wrong, but it's been a lot of fun, y'all. Y'all can say that y'all stuck around in a parking lot. I love that, okay? Um, I've been a pastor a long, long time, and it's not just everybody who will stick around with you when they're sitting in a parking lot, okay? So thank you all for being a part of that. Welcome. If this is your first time in this worship space officially for a service, I especially welcome you, and I want to give a special shout out to the people who've helped us drag stuff in and out of this building. Um, for most of the pandemic time, we were dragging it in and out twice a day until this summer, and we find like, man, if it, we're just shutting the tent, and if someone comes and steals it, fine. I'm tired of bringing stuff in and out of the building, so i um, glad no one ever stole anything. Uh, I'm just so thankful that we're here together. Thank you for not giving up on the dream of Recreate Church, to build this community of life and love where we don't really care what you wear as long as you wear something. We don't care where you've been or what you've done. Yeah, do wear something. Okay, that's our dress code. If you've been wondering what our dress code is because some of you have been coming in pajamas sitting in your car, FYI, our dress code is wear clothes. Technically, pajamas are clothes, um, depending on what kind of pajamas they are. Okay, just, you know. <laughs> All right. If you would wear it to Walmart, Actually, maybe don't wear what you wear to Walmart. Never mind. Never mind. Okay. Some of y'all been to Walmart after like 10 o'clock, haven't you? And um, scratch that. Um, remove all, 
Y'all remind me to strike all references to Walmart from our dress code policy. Hey, just, just wear clothes, and if you ain't got them, let me know in advance. We'll find some clothes for you, okay? All right, we'll find something. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just glad we're here. It's been a year, and we're still here. It's been a year, and we're still here. All right, nudge the person beside you and say, hey, man, it's been a year. We're still here. Nudge them gently, okay? Don't, like, hurt them. It's been a year, and we're still here. At the same time, in this past year, we have learned a little bit about struggle, haven't we? Like everybody in our society has learned a little bit of struggle. Some of them have been struggling in different ways than us, but we, we, we know about that. Of course, we knew about struggle before the pandemic, right? <laughs> Did you just get your ticket for the struggle bus last year, or have you had it for a while? Yeah, we've had it for a while. We know what it's like to ride the old struggle bus. Um, Most of us have had to go through some seasons of struggle and even suffering. And there's a word for those seasons of struggle and suffering. That word is tribulation. Tribulation. That's a word we use sometimes in the context of talking about the Bible, but we know about tribulation, right? We've been through seasons where nothing seems to work. Last year, 2020 started with a bang for me because in my secular job, everything I touched in my job turned to the brown stuff, okay? Turned to fertilizer. You, you follow me? Everything. I, you ever had a time like that in your job where everything you touched just, pfft. yep, that was, that was the beginning of the year. That was before the pandemic. 2020 was not fun. But uh, halfway through 2021, and we're back. When we go through times of tribulation, when things seem to be going wrong, when everything seems to be going wrong, it can start to make us wonder exactly what God's doing up there. Like, God, do you see what's happening down here, the struggle that I'm going through? I know you care about me. I believe what the Word of God says, but right now, this doesn't feel too much like you're paying attention, Lord. It makes us question it. And that doesn't mean that your faith is bad or weak, but it means it is an opportunity to grow your faith. We, in times of struggle, we can forget that God didn't promise us an easy life. You won't get the easy life passages. Now, a couple of weeks from now, we're going to talk about a time in the future that God has promised where things will go back to the Garden of Eden kind of conditions. It's going to be really wonderful then, But as for right now, he didn't promise an easy, struggle-free life. What he did promise is to bring strength out of the struggle. That's what our God does. He's the God who doesn't promise us an easy life, but promises us a life that can be good and can be righteous and can make a difference in the world. We serve the God that brings strength out of struggle. We serve the God who takes our ashes and gives us beauty in exchange. You know what it's like to have some ashes where things in your life, the good things have burned down. God gives us beauty for ashes. He turns dry bones into armies. When we're backed up against the sea and we've got nowhere to go and we're cornered, God will turn the sea into a highway. That's the God we serve. Not a God who never lets us have a bad day but a God who's with us through every bad day and every bad week and every bad month and every bad year. Almighty God brings glory out of suffering, redemption out of struggle. So whatever tribulation you face, be sure God can bring good out of it. And that goes for this time we're going to talk about called the Great Tribulation, if you'll pull that slide up. 
and also the tribulation we experience in our lives every day. There is a time coming that will be called the tribulation, but life doesn't wait until then to get hard. You know, life is already difficult. The greater the tribulation, though, the greater the glory. So we've come to this part of our study of the end times that it's the thing that most people associate with the end times. It's the tribulation period. That's the time with all these crazy plagues and events. And this is the, the wild part that they make movies about the disasters. Pretty fascinating stuff. But all the fascinating facts don't do us much good unless it influences the way we live here and now. Because you can know everything to know about the end times, but if, if it doesn't lead you to trust God and do the right thing, man, it's not much good. Have you ever known somebody who knew a lot about the Bible but didn't know how to treat people very well? How much did their religiosity impress you when they were being horrible to you? Not much. So if we believe what the Scripture says, Second Peter 3.11, this is kind of the verses guided us through, that if we, and this is a paraphrase, if we believe what the Scripture says, that this world that we are in is going to someday come to a conclusion, how should it influence the way we live? And the answer is we should live for God and not for this world. So all this end time stuff, while it is fascinating, it needs to lead us to live differently, to live for God, and, and that's going to come out in the way we treat people. So here's the main thought for today. If you'll pull up that next slide. This is my mom over here working the computer who I grabbed right before the service. If some of you, yeah. See, mom, you got all kinds of fans, not just me. Um, we, I want to train a few more people to run this computer. It's been a while, so uh, if you'd like to learn how to run this computer, it's pretty easy, but... But uh, I might, I might call, <laughs> I might call on you kind of at short notice, you know. So um, the thought for the day is God turns tribulation into redemption. He's got a plan for it from way back, from before the tribulation ever came. God had a plan to bring redemption out of it. That's true for our lives now. It's true for the great tribulation that is to come. God saw it coming. Didn't take him by surprise. God already saw our struggles coming, and he set it up to bring redemption out of it. So be sure whatever you're going through, it is not meaningless. That's my hardest thing, you know. Like, Lord, why does it have to be this hard? If it's this hard, what's the point? What is the point of life being this hard? And I have to have that reminder. God didn't promise me an easy life, but he promised He's going to take everything in my life and bring good out of it and bring glory out of it. He's going to bring strength out of the struggle if we trust him. So as we're getting into this study, I'm going to ask you, do you ever look around the world and see stuff that's just wrong? Like evil stuff. Like your sense of justice is inflamed when you see what is going on. Or you hear stories about people being mistreated. For me, it's kids. Man, I love, I love kids so much. The idea of a kid being mistreated, mmm, mmm, that gets, I can't even watch TV shows like detective shows where there's a kid that's being mistreated. It gets to me too much. And I hear stories about kids being abused, especially by their own families. And I'm like, man, mmm, that'd make me want to burn this thing down and start it over. Amen. You see some stuff. Now imagine if we who are flawed human beings with a very limited ability to understand good and right and justice, if our sense of justice is inflamed by what we see in the world, what do you think God sees when he looks at our earth? 
He knows about all the stuff that's happening. And you know he's got to be heartbroken over it. If you ever look at the world and wonder why God doesn't do something about it, he's about to. He's going to. It is going to happen. So today, we're going to go back in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. We're going to reach, we're not going to be in the book of Revelation today. I know that's what you think about the book of Revelation. And some of you are like, why are we even here? We're not in the book of Revelation. That's what I showed up for. You've sold me a bill of goods, sir. We'll get there. We'll be there next week. But today we're going to be in the Old Testament book of Daniel and see that God had a plan to bring redemption out of the tribulation from long before the book of Revelation was even written. Uh, Daniel is an interesting guy. Daniel's a prophet in the Old Testament. He lived 600 years for Jesus. And he is most famous for not getting eaten by lions. How many of you have also not been eaten by lions? All of us. You're just as famous as Daniel then. You also didn't get, but have you been thrown in a lion's den? No, I, I haven't. Um, not literally. Sometimes metaphorically, I feel like I'm in a den of lions. But let me just say, Daniel did so much more than survive the lion's den. He was an amazing guy who loved God very much, and he listened to God very closely. And, and he lived in a difficult season of life. His people, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, had been uprooted from the promised land by Babylon. They had been deported to Babylon. So as Daniel's writing this, Daniel was removed from Jerusalem and Israel when he was like 13, 14 years old. He was a young kid probably. He, uh, he has almost, he, for him, the promised land's a distant memory. And he starts thinking, Lord, how long is this going to last? We have been all these years out of the promised land. And he starts praying for his people, God's chosen people, Israel. And he he prays, Lord, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And after weeks and weeks of prayer, the Lord sends him an angel. And it's the angel Gabriel. You heard of Gabriel before? He's the one who came and spoke to Mary and told her that she was going to give birth to Jesus. So here's where Gabriel shows up way before Jesus. And uh, Gabriel gives an explanation to Daniel and uh, of the mess. You know, Daniel looks at the mess and says, why is it a mess like this? Have you ever said that to God? Lord, do you see this mess? What's this about? So Gabriel's going to give an explanation here. This will be in Daniel 9, 24 through 27. We will have it up here on the screen. Some of y'all haven't experienced our screens. These are actually new. Well, not new. They're new to us. They were given to us by a church down in North Carolina, for which I am very thankful. And uh, you can follow along there. I'm going to give you a crash course on one of the most incredible prophecies in the whole Bible. Uh, Today we're going to study what sets the Bible apart in a class by itself. There's a lot of religious books in the world, y'all. Anybody can write a book and say God told them to write the book. But the Bible does something that no other religious text does. It dares to make specific prophecy, predictive prophecy, and then fulfills it. And it's not like that fortune cookie you got and said, you know, you'll have a run of good luck. No, no, no. This is specific stuff. It's not like the Nostradamus stuff that's really vague. This is real specific prophecy. So we're going to go into Daniel 9, 24 through 27. If a lot of this doesn't make sense, don't sweat it. All right, let me do the sweating. We'll get through this together. 
Here we go. It's kind of a long passage here, but we'll read it quick. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for your iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, thou shalt be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublesome times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end of it shall be with a flood. To the end of the war, the desolations are determined. To the end of the war, desolations are determined. And he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even to the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. I want to pause there and pray for us. Heavenly Father, this is such a heavy passage. I pray you'll help us make sense of it. Show us your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, y'all want to know something cool? We have a podcast, all right? You can listen to these messages from your smartphone or your device just about anywhere you stream audio, like, what is it? Pandora and iHeartRadio and Spotify and Apple Podcasts about anywhere. We're on podcast number 100 today. Isn't that cool? Did y'all know that? Yeah. So um, I'm going to turn this mic around. Some people listen to us from around the world. We have listeners on just about every continent, okay? So on podcast number 100, Recreate Church, who's here in the house today, would y'all say hello to them? Okay. Podcast people out there in the ether of the internet, hear that. We say hello to you. So that's a lot of fun. Now, here's what else. Here's what it can mean to you. You live close by and you're able to be here. But when you can't, when you got to work or something or just can't be here, you get sick, you can always listen to the podcast. So there's that. YouTube generally gets there a little slower <laughs> because I'm the guy who's uploading the YouTube thing. Now, if, if you want the YouTube faster, uh, I will give you the camera. And you can upload it faster. Someone else is in charge of the podcast. I'm really thankful for Pruitt Hall who does that. So in this message today, it is about the tribulation period, but it doesn't get into the crazy plagues and all that. That's going to be for next week. So you've got to be here next week. This is part one of a two-part thing that is within like an eight-part thing. Anyway, before we get too complicated, I just want to say this week is about showing you God has always had a plan to turn the tribulation into redemption. That goes for the tribulation period, and that goes for the tribulation that we experience. God is going to bring good out of it. Long before it ever came, long before that thing ever happened, God had a plan to bring good out of it. So this is advanced stuff. If you're note-taking, if you're a note-taker, you'll be glad you took notes today. Okay. So the Lord gave Daniel this prophecy. Just go to verse 24, please, if you'll just kind of tab back over to that. This prophecy that there would be a time period of 70 weeks that would be crucial to the future of Israel. Last week we learned that these prophetic weeks are not weeks of days, but weeks of years. So this is a a week, um, if it's 70 weeks, all right, who likes math in here? One guy. I see Elijah. Okay, okay, okay. I hope you like math, Sandy. You do enough of it. Sandy does a lot of accounting. Jamie, I didn't see your hand go up. You get enough math during the week? Yeah, she does accounting work too. Yeah, okay. I'm, uh, 
I should have liked math, but I didn't. I wanted to be an engineer. My plan was to be an engineer, not the kind that drives a train, but the kind who designs things. Okay, turns out there's a lot of math in that, so I'm glad I'm doing this Jesus thing instead. All right, even if you don't like math, you'll like this math, because this is Jesus math, all right? You like, you, I, I bet if I ask who likes Jesus, all the hands go up. Who likes math like three hands go up? We like Jesus. All right, so this is Jesus math. This is prophetic math, all right? This is the good stuff math. So here we go. So if these are 70 weeks, and we know that there are weeks of years, so 70 times 7 is 490. All right, with me so far? 490 years. He says there's going to be a period of 490 years that are leading up to something special. Verse 25 tells us what that is. Leading up to Messiah the Prince, the introduction of Messiah the Prince. Who's the Messiah? Jesus. We know who the, who the Messiah is. This is Jesus. 600 years before Jesus is born, Daniel is talking about him being revealed to the nation of Israel. Aha, something's already happening here. See, I told you it's Jesus math. That's better math, all right? Like some math I don't like, but like pizza math, I could get into pizza math, all right? We ordered pizzas last night, you know, for the little get-together. And like, okay, they divide them into eight pieces. Okay, then I got to multiply by how many people... So we got, by the way, my math wasn't that good, and we have a lot of extra pizza. So um, right after this, somebody be cool and go to the fridge and bust out the cold pizza. If you want some cold pizza before you leave, it's there. I kid you not. And I straight up love being the pastor of a church that has cold pizza around on Sunday mornings. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Amen. That's fun. I get to, this, I get to do this. This is awesome. Anyway, there's a lot of extra pizza. Help me out because I don't need to eat that much pizza, y'all. I really don't. The pandemic has not been good to my clothes fitting. So help, help a brother out. Eat some pizza. So this is some prophetic Jesus math. We've got 490 years that are going to lead up to Jesus, all right? We'll lead up to what's going on there. So um, we read from the command to rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince would be seven weeks plus 62 weeks. All right, math time again, but it's Jesus math. It's good math. So seven times seven is 49, okay? Seven times 62 is 434. I'm not doing that off the top of my head. I take very thorough notes before I come to you with my Jesus math. So we have this time period of of 49 years and 434 years. I'll go ahead and give away the secret here. The 49 years is how long it was going to take to completely rebuild Jerusalem. All right, that's, that's the first, the seven weeks. And then the 62 weeks, the 434 years, that's the time it would take to um, rebuild the temple and renovate the temple and get everybody moved back to the promised land because the powers did let them go and return. Daniel did not get to return, but people after him got to return. And uh, this was <clears throat> leading up to the coming of Jesus. Uh, also, the Old Testament was finished in that time. <coughs> so, math time again. If we had 49 years and 434 years, we come up with 483 years. 483 years, that's where we get. Now, interesting coincidence. Do you know how many days ago it was that I last stood on this spot and spoke to a live crowd? 483 days. Isn't that weird? I don't think that's like prophetically significant or anything, but I'm it's just funny to me. 483 years, 483 days. So, so far I've been throwing a lot of numbers at you, right? 483 years. I know what you're thinking. Didn't show up for math class. I showed up for Jesus and showed up 
for the cold pizza I heard was going to happen after. Um, but this is really interesting. Okay. Maybe I'm not crazy about math for math's sake. But if you can give me some math that proves Jesus is the real deal, suddenly math becomes interesting to me. I may not love math, but I love Jesus. So can we prove mathematically that Jesus is who the Bible says he is? Can we do that? I mean, aren't we told that we just accept all this on blind faith? So if we could find a way to steadfastly prove that the Bible predicted something and it happened, that'd go a long way, wouldn't it? What if the Bible predicted to the exact day something was going to happen? Would that be impressive? Well, that math starts to sound a little better, right? Yeah, okay. Let's see what we can do here. So um, let's test it out. Do we have a command somewhere in the Bible to go and rebuild Jerusalem? That specifically mentions the wall, all right? The wall's there somewhere. Yep, yep, there it is. Street should be rebuilt and the wall. Very important. In the ancient world, every significant city had a wall, had a city wall. And if they didn't have a city wall, they kind of didn't count much as a city because that was their protection against enemies. So do we have a command to rebuild Jerusalem and the wall? Yes, we do. It's in Nehemiah chapter 2. We're not going to go there, but you can mark that and read that. In Nehemiah chapter 2, we see that the world has is no longer in the hands of the Babylonians. The Persians have defeated the Babylonians, and they own everything that Babylon had. So uh, the Persians are in control. Nehemiah is there working for the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes. And there's a story there about how King Artaxerxes gives the command for Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. Some of you guys who are very organized would like Nehemiah because he gave us the exact date this happened. We can date this very specifically, very precisely to March 4th, 445 B.C. Because he took good notes. So what happens if we start at March 4th, 445 B.C. and add 483 years? That's a lot of years. First of all, let's make it a little more complicated. you like it complicated? I don't like it complicated, but I always make it complicated, so here we go. The Hebrews did not use a solar calendar. How many years, how many days are in a year that, that we observe? 365 years, right? It's a solar calendar. They used a lunar calendar. It was based on a month, all right? The moon cycle is 30 days, give or take. So their year was 12 months of 30 days each, 360 days. Every once in a while, they had to add a 13th month in order to make it work. Uh, that would never happen in our culture. Imagine if you had to add a 13th month every five years. That would be weird. What if you were born in the 13th month and you only had a birthday every five years? Isabel's giving me the eye because she is a leap year baby. She was born on February 29th. She, she gets a birthday every four years. I swear to goodness, we do give her a party every year, okay? So it's, everything's cool. She's a little salty about it, but, eh, well... Can't really help it. I knew, I knew she was a special kid. So <laughs> anyway, that wouldn't work in our culture, but it worked in there. So they had a lunar calendar that had 360 days in it. So now we're not going to multiply all that out. But if you start at March 4th, 445 BC, and you add 300, um, you add 483 lunar years, it brings you up to April 6th, Sunday, April 6th, 32 AD. What's that matter? Let me tell you why it matters. 
Sunday, April 6, 32 AD, is the exact day that a lot of scholars believe that Jesus came into Jerusalem in his triumphal entry. That was the very first Palm Sunday. That was the day that Jesus presented himself formally as the Messiah to the Jewish people. Can you believe that 600 years before any of, before Jesus was even born, Daniel prophesied the exact day that Jesus would enter Jerusalem and offer himself as the Messiah. Do you know of any other holy books that dare to do anything like that? To the day, y'all. That is amazing to me. See, if someone tries to tell you that your faith in God or your belief in the Bible is just empty faith, blind faith, you say, well... Go back and listen to podcast number 100 of Recreate Church, and you'll see that the math works it out. And we have evidence. This faith that we have in Jesus is not just faith in the flying spaghetti monster. This is faith in a real person who came as the Son of God and gave his life for us and was predicted by the prophets. Man, if you take even just a handful of the prophecies about Jesus... Nobody else could have fulfilled anything like that. So here we go. We, we got Jesus on the scene. And you might be wondering, what does this have to do with the tribulation period? I mean, didn't you title this message the tribulation, Pastor? And you haven't talked about it yet very much. Well, we're getting there. We're at the point there. We, we are how many years through this? We've done the count, right? We've gone through 69 of the 70 weeks. We're 483 years into the 493, 490 years. So here's some easy math. If there's 490 total years and you've gone through 483, how many years does that leave? Seven years. Is seven a prophetically significant number? Yes, sir. It is. Seven years left. Seven years to go. What happened to those other seven years? Well, the prophetic timeline got interrupted. Do you remember what happened when Jesus came into Jerusalem and offered himself as the Messiah? Did everyone... Um, well, they welcomed him at first, but what happened like the weekend that followed? They crucified him. So they did not accept him as the Messiah. So the prophetic timeline stopped right there. And there's seven years to go. Those seven years are being set aside for something special. Kind of like when newlyweds save one piece of wedding cake and you're supposed to eat it on your first anniversary. Is that something y'all did? Did you remember it, okay? Or was it like a couple years later? So what is this weird chunk of something in our fridge? And you're eating it, and you're like, I know this is supposed to be good, but mm, tastes like freezer burn to me. Um, and, hey, my standards for cake are not real high. You know, I'll eat about any kind of cake. But uh, I remember that when I don't think we remembered it on the day of, although that has been a while. If you see my wife, um, she's not feeling too well today, so say a prayer for her. But September will make 20 years for us. That's crazy, y'all. I know you're thinking, but Pastor Michael, you're only like 27, right? Okay, sure, 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 sure. I, my socks might be 27 years old. <laughs> That's about it. Um, no, these are actually only like two years old. So, yeah, good socks. Um, but um, imagine, you know, it's being set aside for something special. This last little slice of the prophecy, okay, is being set aside for something very special. These last seven years of the prophecy are one in the same with the tribulation period. That's how we know, part of the way we know it's seven years, all right? So someday, God is going to reach into the prophetic freezer and pull out this last little slice, 
and it's going to be presented. And in the tribulation period, as unfortunately they rejected the true Messiah, Jesus, a false Messiah is going to come on the scene, and him they will receive. And we know him as the Antichrist. We studied him last week, and those last couple verses of this passage, they're about the Antichrist. The verse 27, the one who makes a covenant, that's the, that's the Antichrist. So we might just ask, okay, if this last seven years is going to be bad, why not just leave it in the freezer? I mean, if God's cleaning out the freezer, just toss that. Well, there's purposes for the tribulation period. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be devastating, but God is doing something through it. He has a plan to redeem our struggles. You believe that? He plans to redeem the struggle in your life. Well, he's going to redeem the tribulation period too. So I have like six reasons, the tribulation period for the tribulation period. If you'll page forward a couple times. And there we are. Okay, verse 24 says 70 weeks are determined for uh, your people and your holy city. And here they are. Number one, purposes for the tribulation period. If you're a person who writes things down, this is the thing to write down. Number one, to finish the transgression. People have been rebelling against God from the beginning. Those of you who have raised children or who are raising children, did anybody have to teach those sweet little babies to be mean? Or did they just come programmed with it? My mama's giving me the eye right now. Like, you know what's up, son. I was the good kid, by the way. I left most of the mean stuff to my little brother. And then my golden child, the sister, came along, like, way later. And now the favorite child is the border collie. If you met him, you'd agree. He's the best. He is the best. He's the bestest. He's the goodest boy. All right, so, yeah. But... People have been rebelling against God from the beginning, and finally the tribulation period will be a time where God's going to allow folks to see what the world would be like if he stopped holding it back. God holds back sin through his Holy Spirit, but at that time he's just going to let it go. Have you ever just let your kids, you know, like, all right, all right, you go ahead and try that. You're going to get hurt, all right? Because I'm the daddy. Mamas don't do that. Said, don't let my baby get hurt. And I'm more like, if he does it now, he won't do it again. And God's going to kind of let the world see what it would be like if he wasn't holding back sin. All right, number two, to make an end of sins. If you're ever tired of the evil in this world and wish God would do something about it, you're going to get your wish because he's going to do something about it then. It's going to flourish like never before and then be snuffed out. Number three, to make a reconciliation for iniquity. Many people are going to turn to Jesus during the tribulation period. I mean, you see all these prophecies being fulfilled around you. It ought to make any sensible person think, whoa, wait a minute. I think I've been mistaken about this whole God thing all along. I think I need to believe now. I need to trust now. Number four, to bring in everlasting righteousness. By the time it's all over, the world's going to undergo a complete moral and social transformation. Number five, to seal up the vision and the prophecy. The tribulation will be a time when many prophecies will be fulfilled. All right? Um, God's going to keep all his promises. Don't you know God keeps all his promises? Every single one, and it's only a matter of time. So he's going to finish that up there. Number six, to anoint the most holy. This is probably referring to Jesus. That's why it's in capital letters. It's a little unclear, but probably referring to Jesus. Jesus is finally going to be recognized as the Savior sent from God, installed as the rightful king of the universe, and he's going to inaugurate this kingdom on earth. It's called the Millennial Kingdom, and it does not have anything to do with people born between 1980 and 1997. It's a different kind of millennial um, kingdom. Uh, So uh, earth is going to become more like the Garden of Eden, and Lord willing, like two weeks, I want to talk to you about that. That would be a good time. Do you have a green thumb or a brown thumb? Anybody with a brown thumb? Your thumb's going to turn green during that time. It's orange. I don't even know what to do with that. 
Somebody's saying orange. He's over here trolling me. So most of the time when people ask you, ask what the tribulation period is about, most folks would say, um, it's about the wrath of God being poured out on earth. And well, I think that's way an oversimplification because God's got a lot of of purposes for it, okay? Here we, we see six that are very plainly stated just in one verse. God is not just mad about what has gone wrong. He is determined to make it right. You and I look around the world and we see things wrong with the world, don't we? We see things we would fix. God is going to fix this world, y'all. It's going to be remade. It's not going to be like this forever. So on the worst days, and man, does it ever get bad sometimes, be sure of this. Better days are coming. And even during times of tribulation, glory and joy is coming. God is using it. So we've asked the question through the series, if we believe this stuff about the end of the world, that this story of our universe has a conclusion, how should it change the way we live? Well, here's what we can see. Put up that last slide if you would. That tribulation... God wants to turn tribulation into redemption. He has a plan to redeem the struggle. From before Jesus was ever born, God had a plan to bring the greatest good from the greatest bad. The tribulation period will be terrible, but God's going to redeem that struggle. He's going to use it to transform the world into what it should have been all along. And that's what he's doing with us too, y'all. It is no fun to go through tribulation. It is awful to go through seasons of struggle and suffering. And I don't wish that on anybody. But let me tell you what our good God is doing. He's taking everything that you're going through and he's using it to transform you into something beautiful. He is changing you in good ways. It's up to us to embrace that or not. You see, God, that's what he wants to do. He wants to renew us and change us. Times of tribulation open our eyes to what's been true all along. You see, you ever, ever been around a kid and they insist that they can do something themselves, they don't need any help, and you have to, like, catch them before they, you know, little kids have a death wish, it seems like. I mean, your, your job as a parent, like, the first four or five years of life is to keep them from killing themselves accidentally. We're kind of like that spiritually, <laughs> Because we're like, hey, I can do this. We can do this ourselves. I don't need God's help to do any of this. And we don't even ask or think about it. And we go along doing our thing. But when things get hard, when things get tough, then we recognize what was true all along, that we need God very, very badly. It's not like we started needing God when things got bad. No, that's when we realized we needed God. That's when we realized. God brings redemption out of tribulation. He has a plan to redeem your struggles. So I want you to think for just a moment, just between you and God, nobody else kind of needs to share this moment with you. You think about the struggles that you've been going through and maybe some of the suffering that you've been going through. And I know in this room, there's some stories that could be told about struggles and suffering and yes, even tribulation. I want you to think about that for a moment and I want you to give it to God because he can use that. He can use it to transform you. And I'm going to You think about that. I'm going to pray for us. You pray with me. Heavenly Father, I know you're looking inside me right now. And you know the things that I've been struggling with. and Tough times for my family in a lot of ways. And I believe with all my heart that you will redeem that tribulation. 
I believe it because you have proven it through your word time and time again. Lord, it's not just wishful thinking, it's truth. And I pray for everybody gathered here today in this spot and everyone who will receive this message later on that you'd show them what you are going to do with the tribulation that they go through. God, we praise you. You are our Redeemer. Thank you for sending Jesus so that nothing we go through is in vain. God, we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It has been so wonderful to have you with us here for this thing today. Lord willing, we'll be back here next week, 10 a.m., all right? And we we need some help with things. If you want to be involved with stuff, you let me know. And uh, we'll continue to have the 6 p.m. service outside because not everybody's ready to come inside yet. And, you know, it's been pretty cool having some outside stuff. Some of y'all found us when we were outside. That's a wonderful thing. So, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and start that thing. You're good. You're good. It's time to send everybody home. God bless you guys. Um, Juanita, would you grab the pizza? Somebody go help her grab the pizza. Help me with this pizza, y'all. All right, God bless you all. We'll see you next week.